Welcome to the Lit Podcast, presented by Culturally Lit. Culturally Lit is an organization created to amplify and cultivate awareness of the arts of the African diaspora. The Lit Podcast will feature artists and arts programming that enhance the significance of the culture for everyone. Listen and be enlightened. The Lit Podcast is produced by Baobab Tree Studios. Good morning or greetings. Because <laughs> this show is going to show later. But <laughs> Welcome to the Lit Fest podcast. I'm Ife Michelle Gardine, founder of Culturally Lit and Elm City Lit Fest, celebration of artists of the African diaspora. And my guest today is Nicole Blades, a novelist, speaker, and journalist who has been putting her stories on paper since third grade. <laughs> and I'm glad to have you here as we enter uh, Women's History Month as a part of Women's History Month because I'm telling you, you got to get her books because <laughs> all the women in her books, even though they're struggling, they find a way to get liberated. That's the that's the theme, Nicole, that I found in all of your books that that is liberation. I would go more into your bio, but people could Google you. But well, you know what? Thank you very much for saying that. First of all, March 8th is my birthday. So that's International Women's Day. So I feel specifically honored by Women's History Month. So um, I'm always I always feel special about my March 8th birthday. And I thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I really am so always excited to talk about books and literature and culture. And I'm really excited that you found a theme that I didn't necessarily see right away when I was writing all the books about, like I didn't set out to have that be a, a theme, but I'm, I'm really, in, I really like that you saw, you found that, that sort of like running thread through all the, the three books about liberation. But I definitely wanted to tell stories about strong black women and who are flawed because that's human nature where there's no one who's all good or all bad. We have, there's a lot of nuance in there. So I like telling stories about real people and people that you can maybe relate to in some way, or you know someone like that. And people who are not confronting their flaws, but just working them through. And that's what I find fascinating about just telling stories about human beings. And I, I find women's stories more, more interesting to me. I, I gravitate toward women's stories, strong women. And they don't know, it, this is the thing is that they don't feel their strength initially, right? And um, they just, they just like come into it as they evolve. I'm not going to, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give stories away because I want people to. Oh, where's my camera? <laughs> books. I want people to buy books. So you buy the book to hear the story. We're gonna talk about <laughs> the themes of it. <laughs> yes, yes, I appreciate that. Um, but now we ain't reading the story to you. <laughs> you gotta get it <laughs> because I'm gonna tell you. Like it, I, 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 I read like. One of them I read on a plane. Well, I first read um, "Have You Met Nora?" because um, I when we had Lit Fest last year, and I found out about you. I was like, "Oh shoot, let me get this," you know. And then I'm like, "Oh shoot, sound like some." It's a it's a a story about 
that is that is relatable for a whole lot of folks. Yours is set in the Caribbean, but it could be a Southern. No, no. Uh, the the Caribbean one is Earth. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, not the Caribbean. <laughs> see? see, now they all went together. See, but I yeah, get Nora is set in um, modern day uh, New York City. New York, and City. there's some sort of flashbacks to Montreal, right? Where where the main protagonist is from. And I'm sorry because everybody is the Caribbean thing because <laughs> Earth's Waters was the last one. But anyway, <laughs> but what all, what all I want to say is that that's it's so relatable in so many ways. So many women have, like all the women have some, what they feel is a secret or they hold in something. <laughs> yes. They hold in something that, that I, like and after a while, I'm like, girl, you, just like let somebody know, but then it wouldn't be a good story. Right. Then... <laughs> That's like you know how some um, back in the day the sitcoms it often like Three's Company or some of those sitcoms, like the whole story would be resolved if the person just clarified in the very beginning. Oh no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> you know, right. the whole story would have been just wrapped up. But I like. Uh, I like secrets and stories because I think we all have things that maybe not salacious secrets or secrets that are like, you know, life threatening. But I think that we all have things that we kind of hold away from the rest of the world. Maybe it's a part of ourselves. Maybe it's something in our past. Maybe it's something that we feel particularly vulnerable about. And we don't want to share that with everybody. So we kind of keep it locked away. And sometimes those hidden things have a way of manifesting and, and making themselves known in your behavior and informing some of your choices. So that's the kind of thing that I'm interested in, like the things that make us do the things that we do. You know, what informs some of your choices? Why would you make that decision? Even though it might, to everyone else, it seems like a wrong move, You're, that's a mistake. But to you, for whatever's going on inside, it's like, this is my only choice. I have to do this. So it doesn't seem like an error to you or an error in judgment or, you know, taking a misstep. It's it's like I have no other choice because internally you have all the information, you know, what everybody else doesn't know, you know, and you're operating off of that. It is like they it, they carry in something in them that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah as the story moves through. So like you said, it impacts decisions. It impacts how they move through the story. Like it's, oh my God. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I put it down. Cause this woman is getting on my nerves. Like <laughs> That's the thing that, you know, for me with, specifically with um, Have You Met Nora, which is my most recent book. And that's a story about a woman, without giving anything away, it's a story of a, a, a mixed race woman who is very fair skinned, very light, and she has green, naturally green eyes, naturally blonde hair. And she, for some reasons, has disconnected from her true self and her past. And she is living, she's passing. She's living life as an affluent white woman. But the truth of the matter is she is a mixed race woman from very modest beginnings and someone from her past who knows her real story pops up in her present 
and is threatening to burn the whole thing down, bring the whole facade down. Girl. So that's the th kind of thing. So with that story, what's interesting is there are a lot of people reading the book. You know, readers have come to me and said like, oh, they, they could have just wring her neck. Like they were so annoyed that she was doing this or doing that or not coming clean about this. And but she had her reasons, you know, and I, I, yeah. I hope I showed why she wanted to disconnect from her past self. She had some traumas that she needed to sort of become a new person. And she felt becoming it's almost her lie of of, of who she really is was almost a lie of omission. Someone assumed that she was a white woman and, and she, she didn't correct them. And she ran with it. And she and, ran with it. And it was like, I could just be more comfortable in this because when I was that, it wasn't. And I mean, I, I did I did get come to the understanding of that after a while. And it didn't help it didn't help. But I won't say it didn't help, but at the um I had just um, had the audio version of the vanishing half. Yes, that's such like, a good. Oh my god! And I was like, this is like a modern day kind of version of of in a different way of that. But it's yep. a story that is so prevalent. Like I just saw, might have been in one of the one of those news feeds. This white woman that um, her grandmother died. I think she lived in in California. And her grandmother died and they did it was dying and they did a DNA or something because they thought her grandmother was a um an orphan and, and her met her grandfather in Chicago, they moved to California, something like that. And when they did the DNA, they found out that it was a black woman. And they there's had a so whole many like, stories. She connected like with her whole family, and there's a whole slew of them in Virginia. And she had like her grandmother's siblings were like, oh, we've been looking for you, her. And it blew her mind and even some of her family's mind. Because now her mother and father get married. She got uh, uncles and, you know, the mother had kid, grandmother had kids. And then she's like, my aunts and uncles. Nobody knew. Yeah. Father didn't There's even know. So many of those stories of on their deathbed, like they, that was a secret they took to their grave like they didn't want anyone to know that they were black or mixed race or anything or there's so many stories of even present day like i know a couple people when i was first telling them about this book they'd be like well why didn't she just say it's a different world now you know because it's written present day so they're like well, it's a different world why didn't she just you know you know come clean about who she really is nobody would you know judge her or treat her differently if they found out and i'm like uh <laughs> You know, because yeah, I, know people, I have a, a good friend who her, she found out that some cousins like once removed or something like this, they were, they have, they are actively passing in, I want to say Houston or something, but like they are actively passing in, you know, the 21st century and they have their reasons that they believe this is what I need to do, but um, it's not. Something that is, oh, that just happened back in the, in the you know, in the 50s and the 30s or whatever. It's, it, it can still happen. We still, it's, it's, it's a, it's a higher version of code switching, right? And, and just speaks to, oh my God, speaks to so many levels of the duality of our lives and how like some, we, we can't even be true to our own culture. Right. 
and and we have to some of us feel like we have to assimilate like that it is it is so compelling and it, and it's still coloration going on like girl girl let's let's just talk about people that we still got light skin dark skin the, the it's issue. still going on yes i mean it's it's the representation is still an issue in terms of like what we see on tv and in the movies and you know, even the modeling contract, I, I had a conversation with someone about the natural hair movement. And they were saying, like, even within that, because that's such a positive movement, we're talking about, you know, returning to our natural, literal roots of our hair. But even within that movement, there's a whole like, well, she's got, you know, 3B curl or 4C, like, and the, the women that are usually, you know, in the ads for the hair products for natural hair care, are light skin with the specific type of curl pattern. So even within that, we're still having to deal with colorism and it's 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 prevalent, it's still there. And this, the thing is like stories like yours and in the vanishing half and passing, look at that, yeah. passing. Like I, re I read that so many years ago and then the movie came out and then I was like, oh shoot, oh. Um, <laughs> just just makes you think about like in like in passing the woman missed the rhythm of the black people right, right. she's living this white existence yeah. and and everybody doesn't know like it's so many levels to why and yeah. the reasons yeah and uh it, it's and then it's and then it's a whole like right now on tv we see a lot of biracial families because in a way, everybody's coming to the realization of it, in a way. <laughs> but it's still when it comes to our our culture, we have to assimilate in some way. But mm -hmm. again, again, liberation is real, honey. Yes, yes. I mean, that character, Nora, uh, she found her liberation through some very different ways. Most people would not go that route. <laughs> Most people would not go that route. It's an insane journey. <laughs> yes. But I do think that we all have our, our rationale for, you know, making it make sense to ourselves. Like this, I'm doing this because X, Y, Z. And it, it makes sense to you. So you're like, if you, if you like it, I love it kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So how, how, What's the what was the time frame between these books? Because you have you said it's interesting. Yes, Earth's Water. So my first book with Earth Earth's Waters. So I was writing that I was actually living in Barbados. For okay. my family's from Barbados. I was okay. born and raised in in Montreal in Canada, and I um, we used to go back for vacations and visit family and cousins and all of that. But then there was a long stretch where we we had not I had not been back uh, to Barbados for a while, and I said, you know what, let me. You know, I haven't been there in 12 years or something. So let me go for a visit. Mm -hmm. So I went, I was living in New York at the time and needed a break from New York because New York can be a, a grind. <laughs> a grind, yeah. So I, I went there and I, I went there for a Christmas and um, I ended up saying, you know what, let me extend my vacation here because I was having a good time. But I started thinking about like, could I live here? And at the time I needed a break from that grind of NYC. So I extended my vacation for two more weeks and started looking around and I ended up 
getting an interview with one of the, they had two newspapers there. One is The Nation and one is Advocate. And so I had an interview there uh, to see like, could I maybe get a job at one of the newspapers? And I ended up getting a job there. So I started working at, um, at, uh, at, at the nation and uh, I started writing a book there and that, that became the thunder beneath us. Excuse me, earth's water. Now I'm mixing them up too. Now that became earth's waters. And that book was written. It took me about five years to write that book because I was working and writing and coming back to it and putting it down. And then that book came out, I want to say in 2007. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back here, back to the States. And then I was working. I was working in magazines. And it took me a long time to sort of like get back to writing a book again. I mean, I was writing things here and there, but not necessarily focused on uh, writing a book. So then uh, I started writing uh, The Thunder Beneath Us. And then I start. no, excuse me. I started writing Have You Met Nora first. Oh. And I was sending it out, t- querying, trying to get agents. And they kept saying the same thing. Well, I got the same feedback. And then I started to wonder, like, hmm, maybe they've got something here. Because if you hear one thing from the same thing from four different sources, mm-hmm. maybe there's some sort of connecting thread there. Right. So what they kept saying was, this Nora character is too mean because the original version of the Nora book was called Nora McKenzie and it was set in a boarding school, a high school. So the main character was 17. Wow. And she was a mean girl. She was completely a mean girl. So a lot of the, the, the sort of notes I was getting was uh, the notes I was getting were why would anybody be friends with her? And, or, I'm having a hard time connecting with her. I'm having a hard time caring about what happens to her because she's so mean. So I was like, ooh, that's not good. If you can't, if you don't care about the character, you don't care to turn the page on the right, book. Right. So I said, let me pull it back. And I had to do a whole revise on that and mm-hmm. grow the character up to a young woman, give her a whole career, give her a new, new, <coughs> bless you, mm-hmm. new relationships, new, um, um, drama. And that took a while. So in before that book came out, I started writing The Thunder Beneath Us. So The Thunder Beneath Us came out before Have You Met Nora? Because I was revising it and basically overhauling the whole thing. The premise of Have You Met Nora was still there. It was about a woman, a young person who was mixed race, passing as white. But uh, I had to change a whole bunch of things and develop a new story, so to speak, around that character. How did you come up with the name Best? Well, it's so interesting because I look to, I often will look for <clears throat> names of characters. You know those baby books online, like those baby names? Yes, <laughs> yes. So I'll look up like names. Baby names of 2000. <laughs> exactly. I do that a lot. Okay. Or I'm looking for like, you know, popular common names in, um, in, in India or whatever it is. So I look up different things for different characters. So Best came up from, well, the, her last name is Lightburn. And that is the name, the surname of someone I went to elementary school with. And I've always thought it was a, a young man. And I always thought his name was so interesting, Lightburn. And I, I just, I took it, <laughs> I used it. But I mean, it's decades later. Right, right. So, uh, so Murray Lightburn, I used your last name. 
but then uh, the, the first name, Best, I, I was trying to figure out like what would go well with Lightburn. And I was playing around with a bunch of different things. And then Best Lightburn kind of connected with me. And I was like, I like this. And so then I worked backward from that. So, so like, what is best short for? Like, what could it be? And so one of her, her name is Bashaba, And her, one of her, her brothers couldn't pronounce it. Right. So he, when he was younger, he would say Bestba. And then that got shortened to best. So she grew up as best right. Lightburn. So it was one of those things where I was just trying to figure out like what name kind of like a music, like a musical measure, like what name kind of flows together with Lightburn. So that's how I came up with best Lightburn. Right. And her relationship with her brothers is very, very, very prevalent. Yeah. Through that, through that story and yeah. just the guilt that she carries. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's like that wasn't your fault. Like I wanted to hold her. That it wasn't your fault. <laughs> but that's how it happens sometimes in life. Something might happen that's traumatic and you blame yourself because you made it out of it. And even though, like you said, it's not your fault. And in your logical brain, you might know that, you might connect with that. Like, it isn't my fault, but your emotional self still feels like in some way, I could have done something to prevent this or make it go a different way. And that's just how human beings are. Sometimes you can't make that connection between what's real and what you feel. And no matter how much success was happening for her, Profession, like she strived for everything, but in the back was always that she, she deserved it. She didn't feel that she deserved it. Like she didn't deserve any of that. It was that guilt and survivor's guilt kind of bubbling up. Yeah, child. I mean, <laughs> they people just got to get the book. <laughs> yes, get the book. So, so. It, so the um, thunder beneath us and have you met Nora kind of intertwined? Well, it I was working on one and then I sort of put one to the, I put have you met Nora to the side and then okay. started working on the thunder beneath us. And then I picked, so when I, I got a two book deal with uh, have you okay. thunder beneath us and have you met Nora? So okay. when they, when the uh, publisher said yes to the thunder beneath us, they were like, well, you know, do you have another book? And I said, I do, <laughs> because I had been this, you know, this book that I had been working on and retooling and revising for years. So it actually took me, I had been living with that story of Nora for like a good nine years because it was, you know, from wow. the first iteration of it and when it got rejected and then it, I was like revising it and putting it down and coming back to it. So it took me a long time to kind of get it to the story that it is now. Okay. So in um in earth's waters like again her name how did you it's so that huh you mean is this is nora or earth's waters earth's waters right so that <laughs> so her name I'm switching up I, i've been back her, <laughs> her name is harriet her harriet. real name is harriet but and her nickname is Lily. And in the Caribbean, a lot of, a lot of times, and I think in a lot of black cultures, you will see uh, in black communities, you will see someone has a birth name and then they have a name that everybody knows them by, you know, whether it's a shortened version of their first name or a completely other 
you know, maybe they uh, always like, uh, I don't know, uh, cotton candy. And so their nickname is cotton or something or candy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, Lily is the name that people know her by, and, but her real name is Harriet. And right. Harriet just came from one of my cousins, my father's cousin. So I guess she's my cousin once removed. I never yeah. know how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she is, uh, her name is Harriet. And I've always liked that name. I always think it's like a very pretty sweet name. And she was sweet. Yes. And, and, and again, oh, did so, like she was a foundation for everyone in the story and didn't even realize that like she thought she needed them and they needed her more than anything right and um and just even in receiving it, it, I, I just wanted her to escape <laughs> and she she she, and she ends up doing that and she chose liberation but again another another situation where that might not necessarily be everyone's choice to, to get free. She chose a kind of more drastic path for her liberation because she felt she had no other choice. She had no other choice. Yeah. Right. And I wanted her to put something in somebody's food or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> she wanted to put poison somebody. Get your books and get out of there. Run. That's, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I had gone to um, uh, Dominica. When I was reading that book, I was like, this is ironic. I'm reading the book. I'm in Dominica. Because it could happen any, it could happen on any of the, I, I mean, I have Caribbean friends over the years. I've, I've heard their stories and in the religion the whole the hold down of the religion, yeah, is so strong. Mm -hmm. Um, but that could also be here, yeah, in, in the United States, anywhere, because mm -hmm. that that people think of religion as bondage almost. Yeah, yeah. there uh, that that's very true. I think th there are some people who, uh take religion on in a very different manner. And it, it does sometimes feel a little bit like a prison. It's not spiritual. It's, yes. It's more thought based. <laughs> I might probably when this airs, people going to get mad, but who knows? Wow. I ain't met, I've been through a whole bunch of church. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got coming up? Like what? So, yeah, I am. So I'm still working as a journalist. So I've been writing, for magazines, uh, and oh, which is still a little bit scary because re just recently I was writing a story about, um, I wrote a whole, I had an assignment about migraine, the migraine uh, stigma. And I was talking specifically to uh, women of color who are migraine sufferers and, and just how the stigma can be even twofold, like it goes even deeper with women of color. And I thought it was a great story. And I spoke to some really fantastic experts. And uh, we got the news like maybe two weeks ago that that magazine, along with five others, were 
shutting down. They were being shuttered and they were no longer going to be making any more print editions of this magazine. And I mean, it's these are like like as Entertainment Weekly, In Style Magazine, Parents Magazine, Health Magazine. So these are like titles that have been around for a long time. So I was like, oh boy. Uh, so they're still going to pay me, thankfully. But I was I was really looking forward to having this story get out and have that conversation about the uh, the stigma around migraine as as it specifically relates to Black women. And so I say all this to say that I'm still um, I, I still very much enjoy magazine writing and interviewing people and talking and get, getting a little bit more um, insight into why they make the choices they make. I, I've always been very curious slash nosy, and I like asking people questions like that to get to know a little bit more about their point of view. But I'm just a little bit like, gosh, you know, what is this? What's the fate of magazines, print magazines? I mean, so many of them keep, you know, shuddering. And I'm just a little bit They're like, open. oh, Except for Oprah, because she got money to keep her sustained. Well, even her magazine changed because it used to be a monthly, and now it's a quarterly. And and now she got membership. Like, you get these little perks and boxes. and So they, you have to change with the times, I guess. But anyway, so you asked me what I'm doing. So I'm still working on magazine stories, but I am, my agent is knock on wood, crossing fingers, blessings. She just went out on proposal with another novel that I wrote. It was, um, I don't typically talk about my stories. I don't like to let the steam out of the pot yet <laughs> while it's still cooking. However, mm -hmm. this one is uh, about a road trip with two young women taking a cross country from New York to LA road trip and the hijinks and adventure that ensues okay. with that. Listen, so I that's, have that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> journey a, a learning evolution journey all in and of itself because yes um the, it's very rare that women not rare it, people need to see more sister friend stories we have so many frenemy stories that we see in the real housewives of everything on tv i mean all over the world there's a real housewife yep. of something yeah right and and friend of me, what the hell is a friend? Of me? <laughs> yes, I'm so, so glad you said that because this is a story about two young women who are best friends, and they are embarking on this trip for a couple reasons, and we see how it all goes with them, and it's very much about the story is about the love relationship of their friendship. Do you know what I mean? So I, I wanted to talk about women as friends and how that could be, that bond can be stronger than sometimes, you know, a partner or a love partner or, you know, family. So it's like a chosen family type of thing. And I really wanted to pay attention to uh, and, and, and sort of pay homage to friendships and how important and, and shaping they are and how impactful they are. Because yes. in your other friends, the women were struggling with their friendships because of their internal stuff. Like people were really their ride or die. Yes. Yes. But they, because of their, like, like so many things come out and, and when you hold and stuff in, and, and I, I, I'm really an advocate for like, listen, I'm going to tell the story. I'm like, blah. Cause <laughs> I'm getting it off my chest. <laughs> I need it out because, um, 
you know, full disclosure, like I, my my mom was a depressed person, right? So, but that was a gen her generation. You held yeah. that in, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so now it's like, no, we gotta let everything out. And then and then this generation here, they they like <laughs> boundaries. I got <laughs> in the meantime, they can impart any pain on you they want to, but they got boundaries. Right. But I'm like, wait, I got boundaries too. <laughs> but I digress. But no, you're right. You're right. I think is, there's, like, there's something to be said about um, sort of airing what what's happening with you. And my therapist like to say, you know, feeling your feelings and not trying to, you know, squish them down and make them all better. All just be in your feelings and feel them. If you feel upset about something, just be upset about it. Talk about it. You don't have to, you know, keep it all locked up inside. And it, in, in this, in this expression, and it's a relief, and it's also in, empowering you to have your own narrative. Because, honey, yes. like, again, my therapist is too. Like, I was like, I, I need help with this, and and that's the other thing that, as Black women, um, I guess we're coming more to embrace that. I hope a lot more Black men do as well. Yes. <laughs> Um, therapy because yeah. that is real, yeah, for all ages. Um, as we evolve, as we you know move on in this world, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean it's, it's so it's so um, remarkable and so um, restorative to just be able to tell your story, whatever it is, it's something you're upset about, something you're happy about, something you're confused about, and just speak about it to someone who's listening who is actually listening to what you have to say. And, you know, people say like, oh, it's all woo-woo to feel heard. It's important to feel heard, to feel like your voice actually matters and what you're saying counts and is landing somewhere. So I think therapy is great for that reason alone is that you're able to kind of like work through things just by talking it out and someone's listening to you. And someone's also offering, you know, like, have you thought about it? thinking about it this way, offering you some ideas on how to, some tools on how to process whatever it is that you're dealing with. Somebody outside of your circle that's neutral. Neutral, who can just look at it and say like, you know what, you were wrong for that, or that makes sense, or you know what, just give you an, an like a different approach, a different POV to whatever it is that you're dealing with. They're coming in from a completely fresh angle and say they're able to see things that you might not be able to see or your best friend might not be able to see, but they are able to see it because they've got that distance and they can say, you know, have you thought about X or Y? And you're like, no, I never did. <laughs> this is like a light has been turned on. And that's liberating because I was going to say in, in these books, if these sisters would have embraced <laughs> a little bit of therapy right? a little bit of therapy some of the things wouldn't happen but then they wouldn't be a juicy book right. <laughs> that's very true but it's examples of that in this world and like in 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 generationally like so i'm i'm excited for the next story to come out also yeah. so you get a publisher so you don't get to choose the the covers i don't However, I will say with Earth's Waters, I had nothing to do with it. And I was upset about it because I, I wanted a different cover, but it was my first book. So I was kind of like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say anything. 
But um, in retrospect, I wish I would have sort of spoken up and said, uh, look, can we change this? Can we change that? Can we change? I mean, I like it enough, but there are certain things that I wish they had done differently. Yeah. For Thunder Beneath Us and Have You Met Nora, the uh, publisher puts together the cover, but I was very fortunate because not every author, it's not every situation where you okay. have, a, you get to put your two cents in. Mm -hmm. So I was really fortunate because they asked me like, you know, what are some of your ideas for, how do you envision this cover? So I did my research like I do, and I sent them like about six or eight different movie posters, um, um, magazine covers, book covers that I felt like sort of embodied the vibe that I was hoping to, to go with. And so they kind of put things together and I was really pleased. And in fact, with Have You Met Nora, when they Sorry. sent me a version of it, they mm -hmm. had different flowers and they had a different picture that is being held. And I said, mm -hmm. and they had a different skyline. And mm -hmm. I just made those suggestions. I was like, you know, could we do this? And, th and they took all of my suggestions. So I felt really like, okay, I, I was heard. Someone heard me. Okay. And I okay. felt really happy about that because you don't always get a say. Sometimes you have to just be like, well, I guess I'll just go with this cover. Yeah, because those are tulips. Tulips. And that's a part of the story. Part? Yes, that's a Central part. Park and it's sunny and red dress and red shoes. Yes. It's very, yes. yeah. Pull you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and red nail polish. Like, well, the Central Park is because in the story, she goes to Central Park. That's sort of her, like, you know, blissful escape. Right. The tulips, it's a favorite of her mother's. So there were reasons for my, my suggestions, but I was so pleased that they actually listened to me and, and took my. My recommendation. So did they get permission from that little woman to get her picture taken. I think they just sort of did a little rendering of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just because I was like, oh, because the 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 cover is very captivating. Oh, great! Thank because you. Because of the red, popping red, and she does go to Central. I was like, oh, okay, she's in Central Park. <laughs> um, and so what about the? Thunder Beneath Us. The Thunder Beneath Us, I wanted to do uh, something where I had sent them a bunch of different things where it was in the picture, it was mainly people kind of trapped under. So there was like some something going on beneath a surface. So like either it's ice or beneath some, but a lot of it was ice and water. But, and I kind of sent them, like it was a lot of, you know, um, where you have someone kind of half in, half out of something. Mm -hmm. And they, they came up with that that design. And I was pleased with it because they showed a brown skinned woman with like a short, like a short do. <laughs> I, I like oh, yeah. I like a natural. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a nice little natural. And I like that she was a nice brown skinned woman. And uh, it worked for me. And I was really pleased when they sent that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just like. That again, liberation is real. Like there have the have in the talks that you have about the books. Yes. How, or you've had the like with book groups or anything. What was some of the questions that came came up like continuously? Would did anybody else pick up on liberation? How no, they... not, not often. Not often. Which I'm so glad that you picked that up. But often it would be about. People saying things like, I wish she would have said something to someone. I wish she would have just 
fessed up to whatever it is to a friend or a loved one, because then it would have been a lot easier on her. The rest of her life would, it would have been a, an easier, it would have been less of a sting. So I think a lot, of, I, I get that a lot, like, especially with Have You Met Nora is, I couldn't understand why she didn't just say who she really was. And, you know, often that's from white readers, white women readers, they'll say like, well, I don't understand why she didn't just say, and it's like, well, you know, you gotta understand yeah, they the know. life she was living was far, far more attractive than what she had come from. And she wanted to just distance herself as much as possible from all the trauma that came with her former self. So I get that a lot. Like I wish, I wish that she would have told someone earlier or come clean about who she really was earlier. What's funny is like there, you know, we all have, I have white friends and I, they don't quite grasp <laughs> as, as, as um, empathetic as they may be to our cause and down with us. They really, there are some things that you're like, you, 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 you can't understand that. Right. And um, I, I go back to like my grandmother, uh, whose birthday is today. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday, March first! Nice, Pisces. Um, uh, God, well, she's in heaven. Happy heavenly birthday! But um, birthday. One of the things because both of my grandmothers came up from were worked for, you know, were house people. The help at some point in their life, they had to do that. Um, and I was going through some stuff growing up in Connecticut, in New England, in the sixties, like oh, people wow. talk about the Southern segregation. They don't talk about the Northern segregation. When people came North, it wasn't all <laughs> peaches and cream. Yeah. It's all some stuff happening. Um, but they had a, they were integrating school systems here. And Catholic schools and sending, you know, Catholic schools were opening up to more people of color and then are coloring their, their, their classrooms and, and also other schools. But anyway, I went to a Catholic school for one year and um, they sat me in the back of the room because my hair was too big, right? <laughs> she said, nobody could see over my afro. Okay. And one of, um, and so I, I, I made, I scored higher on a test or something uh, than everyone in the class. So the nun said, I, I cheated. I was like, nobody's around me. Like I'm in the back of the room. There is nobody, the people on the side of me, but you got me facing wow. you in a bit. So then she had me sit in a recess, sit out a recess and do the test over. And then I scored higher, right? <laughs> so I was like, and then like, I was telling these frustrations to my grandmothers, both of them, because they kind of were, and this ironically, at the time I was growing up here in New Haven was like, at a time where like, I'm going to Catholic school, but I'm going to a Baptist church that's like church, you know? And the Black Panthers are very prevalent in the community. Wow. With the breakfast program and, and doing things, doing productive things in the community. And the trials were going on. So it was like a whole lot of stuff. And my grandmothers both were supporters of the Panthers. So, and, and community workers, right? 
they did a lot of stuff. And so um, when I would tell them this, they, they, they would like, you know, one of them, I don't remember which one exactly, but they said that we know them more than they know us. Hmm. I see movies like The Help or when, or when wow. like comments are made about, oh, she should have just did this. It's yeah. like, you're, that's coming from a place of you, you have more freedom than us. <laughs> it's like we grow up and our mothers are like, okay, when we don't, we go in that store, don't touch nothing, don't do, 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 do. And then you go in the store and you see all the, the little white kids having tantrums and throwing them it's, the, it's that, you know, you know, this in these current times where we're talking about privilege and people are finally, you know, coming face to face with their privilege. It's part of it. It's it's that sort of privileged ignorance. Like you, you're allowed to not know about a whole host of things that are happening with black black people in schools or whatever it is, and it's fine. And you don't have to you don't have to be concerned with that because it doesn't it doesn't interact with your life at all. You know, you could just stay in your white lane 100 percent and not be worried about representation, not be worried about like you know all those things don't really change the path that you're on. So it's so, I, I would very much like to hear more stories about growing up in Connecticut in the <laughs> 60s. And like, that must be, you must have stories. Yeah, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. And my yeah. mother worked for a Jewish man. Uh, uh, her boss was Jewish. She was a secretary for a boss of Jews. And he was the, he was the uh, president of the Jewish Community Center. <laughs> So we went. To, we were the only black kids at the Jewish Center camp. My brothers and I. It's like that's funny. So I had an interesting experience, but I'll, that that always stands in my mind when somebody that is white says something that I'm like a little taken as like I'm like considered a source. First of all, they have no clue. You know when they say something that isn't quite in line, or they're comfortable with saying something because you're the one, you're their friend. <laughs> And they're like, okay, I'll have all the answers for all the black people. Like you don't have all the answers for all the white people, but yes, exactly. It's exactly. it's that. So, um, and that's what I, I was going to ask you too. Like, do you get a, a a mixed readership? I do. With Have you met Nora? I I did for sure. Mm-hmm. Also with the Thunder Beneath Us, I think. Uh, but with Have you met Nora? Because I think. When people saw the cover, if you didn't know anything about the story, and you saw the cover, you're thinking it's a white lady just in, in the park. So it looks like a your typical women's fictions book, you know? Yes. And then the, uh, so and then the little people, picture in the middle. Right. You can't tell. Right. So I think a lot of people are just like, oh, what's this? <laughs> you know? And, uh, <laughs> and a lot start- of book clubs, though, I will say, I will say that a lot of book clubs have been making a concerted effort to have to sort of expand their readership. So it's not just the same kinds of books. And they've been a lot more, I've noticed a lot more um, aiming to have diverse stories being included in their their reading lists. And so that, and that also brings out some good conversations to this book in particular, like whenever I visit a book club or I have like a Zoom thing with a book club, there'd be a lot of good discussions about, race passing because like you said a lot of women a lot of people are still like they can't grasp that someone today would still do that would still feel that they have to do that Mm -hmm. and it just it doesn't it doesn't compute 
they're just sort of like, well, why not? I mean, this is a different time now kind of thing. So as you said, there's a lot of like, not just ignorance. There's a lot of like, they, they can't wrap their minds around this concept because it doesn't really, it doesn't really connect with them. So they're just like, I don't understand why she didn't just do X and Y. And you're like, because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a whole history here that I have to go through to tell you why. Yeah. And Nicole, the thing is, I, I, I really, the reason I started lit, the whole lit movement <laughs> is to cultivate an awareness for ourselves and also for others of the significance of our stories, right. of our art, of our culture, because I feel like personally, that's why some barriers are there. Because you don't understand all these Karens in the world, you know, they just don't, they, they'll be the first ones to say, oh, I'm not racist, but you just reacted in a way that is a response. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I, I mean, listen, I have uh, had so many of those experiences. I mean, living in Connecticut has been its own experience because I, <laughs> we moved here from New York because of my husband's job. And I was like, I would never have chosen this normally. So it's, <laughs> I'm still, I mean, we've been here for nine years, eight, nine years. And this I'm still, it's still like an adjustment because oftentimes you're the one you're the one black person in the room and you're the one there's you and maybe an Asian person, or there's you and maybe someone, a Southeast, a Southeast Asian person. And mm -hmm. that's it in terms of diversity. And I remember at my son's school, they had, uh, they were starting this sort of like um, diversity, a DEI group, one of those groups. And I was invited to come in and I was, I noticed that it was like me and like maybe three other people of color mm -hmm. in this group that was all about diversity. And the, the two presidents were both white women and they both acknowledged like, well, this is part of the problem that, you know, <laughs> the, the uneven numbers here. And I remember they decided that they were gonna do for coming, leading up to Black History Month, they were gonna do like a, um, they wanted to do like a, a diversity day type of celebration. And that thing got whittled down to, let's make it a community, like my town's name, community day. So it went from like, let's bring in our, our different foods from the cultures to let's just bring in our favorite cookie recipe. Let's include everybody. It became, so it went from black lives matter to all lives matter. You know, one of those things where it's just, and I saw like that happens often here where you are, it gets, trying to, it gets diluted because they don't want to handle that. They it, don't. It's the hard. Is like, I don't want to be called a racist. And that's not it. Like, that's why this whole movement about being anti-racist is more important than, you know what I mean? So I feel like you're you're dead on about people. It, things get diluted so often here because they don't want to delve into any of the stuff that makes them turn inward and say like, whoa, I've been doing X and Y, or I have been, that was my fault. I did that too. You know, no one wants to be, no one wants to be pulled on the carpet, called to the carpet, you know? So that happens oh, a lot here. It's a good one too. They, um, you get called in to do the diversity training, right? And I'm like, I can do this for a day or two, an hour or whatever, 
however much time you allotted for this diversity training. But then you go back to your bubble of you don't have to deal with this. <laughs> but the diversity training validates, oh, well, but we did, especially with organizations, with arts organizations, oh, girl. Nonprofits, yes, especially around the month of February too. Like month, March first hits the scale. Okay, we're gone. Let's go back to what we, we were doing it. before. We did it for twenty eight days. You know, or sometimes they want to do Kwanzaa. Yeah, that's another time. Oh, we gotta do. We gotta. <laughs> I want my children. Um, it. We were doing. Uh, I was. I had planned a Kwanzaa celebration, and I said that um. People had to be because we're in COVID times. So one of the, on the registration, it was like, you got to show vaccination card and everybody has to be masked inside. Yeah. And I got a letter from a white woman that said she has, her husband is, her and her husband are, um, but her, she's married to a black man. Her children are biracial and they chose not to um, vaccinate. Um, and they lived in one of them shoreline towns that don't that okay that i know from growing up here not diverse i'm just saying and um she felt i mean i had this long, this long diatribe email that was like this is discrimination and you of, of all people da, 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 da. i was like i didn't even respond to her because i'm like you telling me right right this you do this and and i want my my children to know about their culture do it where where you live. You do it. Yeah. You read up on it and you do that's my answer to those folks. Yeah. I'm not I'm you ain't gonna shame me because <laughs> I was having something like I refuse for that. And like I said, we are I'm doing this awareness. <laughs> the mission is to cultivate awareness of the significance of our culture. Exactly. Everyone. I mean, because there ain't a dance step that ain't nobody. (laughs) Every dance that we got, we start stuff all the time. And we're beyond the TV. So people have to read more of our stories. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. More stories that are not necessarily slave narratives either. Oh, my God. Stories about regular Black people, extraordinary and ordinary Black people living life. And all that comes with that. All that comes with that. And and then realize that, you know, because there's some, you know, we grew, all grew up on in the narrative of reading classics or reading. I mean, one of my first, I used to, Jacqueline Suzanne, when I was growing up, those were um, my books, my go-to books. They pretty much taught me about sex because those are like, woo. You know, um, but then there was like, you know, classic uh, the Bronte sisters and all that kind of right. stuff, and we came up on that. And then I discovered Homegirl here. <laughs> Got my Toni Morrison earrings on. Yes. If you if you don't write the story you want to see, and and the stories are for everyone. So I appreciate this time with you, Nicole. Oh, so thank glad. you so much. This has been great. If it, I really can't thank you enough as also for starting this elm city like this is perfect this is what we need in connecticut thank you so much yes we do i call it connecting disconnected <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you got bars now. Connecting disconnected. Oh, that's good. That's good. Connecting I like it. disconnected because. And also to let people know, because when you travel outside of Connecticut, we're between Boston and New York, two me- metropolitan places, right? Yep. yep. But if you travel outside and you say you're from Connecticut, people are like, it black people in Connecticut? Right up. <laughs> yes. Yep. You know, yes, we still do have pockets of segregation. Now, I ain't but we have Bridgeport, New Haven, and Hartford, <laughs> and cities that have a population huh, of yes. folks. They're yeah. doing a little something, something. <laughs> so, blessings and have a happy birthday and Thank celebration. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I look forward to your next book. And yes, I look forward to that and getting snatched up too. Um, so just thank you again so much for having me on. And if anyone wants to buy any of my books, they're available wherever books are sold. You can also get more information about the books and about me at NicoleBlades.com. And I thank you again for giving me a platform to just talk about books and reading and black life. I like it. Thank you. We have fun. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs>